Welcome to the Nerd Chatter Podcast, where last week we had a discussion about Star Wars, the prequels, the sequels, and the original trilogy, and we mentioned that this week we're going to go over the MCU. I'm here with my buddy Garrett, and how are you, my friend? Good, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. And we did discuss that we were going to go over the phases, the four phases of a Marvel MCU, and uh, talk a little bit about the films. Uh, we did do a bit of recording for this segment already, and it did run a bit long, so we're going to do it again. Uh, we're going to try to keep it to a more reasonable time. Last time, I think it was almost two and a half hours. Uh, we're going to try to keep these to about an hour to an hour and a half. As always, you can check out our socials at Nerd Chatter Show. You can also check out the previous episode of the Nerd Chatter podcast at nerdchatter.com and everywhere else that you can find podcasts. Uh, just like normal, we always start off the show with a little segment about uh, the deals and free games and things that you can run across this week. I'm going to point out a few from Epic Game Store here. We got Car Mechanic Simulator 2018. Uh, that's free on the Epic Game Store until June 30th. Uh, same thing with the uh, a Game of Thrones board game digital edition, also free until the 30th of June. Uh, and a little bit of news with Fall Guys, that did go free to play on all platforms, including Switch, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. And just a few days ago, we had the Steam Summer Sale start, uh, and a few notable deals in here, and I'm sure there will be some more that pop up throughout the week. We do have NBA 2K22, that's 84% off at $9.59. Uh, COD World War II, 67% off at $19.79. Uh, Red Dead, uh, the full game, that's 50% off right now for $29.99. The Outer World, 70% off at $17.99. Sekiro is 50, 50% off right now, $29.99. Uh, Chivalry 2 is 40% off, $23.99. Uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga is 25% off. Uh, Deluxe Edition is $44.99. Didn't you pick that one up? I sure did. I will most likely do some live streaming on YouTube with that one. Oh, yeah? Nice, nice. Yeah, if I, if I pick it up in the near future, I might do that as well. Uh, Destiny 2, the Witch Queen Deluxe Edition. Uh, that's also the Bungie 30th Anniversary Bundle. Uh, that one's 33% off, sitting at $66.99. And Master Chief Collection is 60% off at $15.99. Are you going to pick that one up? Already did. Oh, you picked it up. Nice, nice. I sure did. Very nice. Yeah, I picked it's even it up downloaded and everything. Oh, nice. Yeah, I want to get on some of that. Maybe do some live stream of that as well. I picked that up a while ago when it was on sale for a similar price, so I already have it. But I believe that game you can purchase individual games separately for like 5 bucks or, or 10 bucks or something like that. But uh, this Yeah, one they're is, pretty cheap. Yeah, they're not bad. And, and you don't need to buy all of them, I, I believe. But... Uh, $15.99 for the full deal is, is definitely a good buy. So with the first phase here, we got a handful of epic films. What did you think about these films back in the day? I mean, I really like them. That's really set the tone for what the MCU is now, especially. Mm -hmm. it, it establishes the tone, and it establishes the tropes that we will see a lot in the MCU, like similar character villain as your main character. So we have an Iron Man and an Iron Man type villain a couple times. And they, that's just a recurring theme. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But there's other tropes that are in there that it's all gets established in the, with the core Avengers team. Yeah. And with those films back when like, were you, did you jump into them quickly or, or did you get kind of like hold off and like whatever for a while? Or did you like go and start watching these right when they're releasing? You know, I, I jumped in right away. I, I think I took a while to watch Iron Man. And then Incredible Hulk. I remember watching Incredible Hulk first and being really standoffish about it because it it was an okay movie by itself, but it just felt weird. And Did you the, see the other the one? Previous what was it, Hulk, it, what was it yeah. 99 or whatever? Yeah. With the... <laughs> well, 
I don't know if it was 99, but the previous Hulk movie was just really, really bad. So I was just really cautious. Then I think it was in 2009. So about a year after Iron Man came out, I, I watched Iron Man, fell in love with Tony Stark and everything. I mean, I never really got into the comics or anything. So it was my first true introduction into Marvel. Yeah. And I was hooked from there. I mean, Thor's my guy. Uh, seeing him in in live action, um, other than just other material that I've like gone through with mythology stuff, but I don't know it was really fun. I liked it. Yeah, with uh, the Incredible Hulk, it was a little funky. The one before, I think it was just Hulk or the Hulk. It was pretty hokey. They had a lot of the the like comic transitions and like page peelbacks. I remember, and the color was really bad. And uh, the Incredible Hulk was. A little bit iffy. I don't know. Kind of. It kind of felt like blah to me personally, but uh, I still dig it. You watch it, and you go back and watch it now. It's it's still pretty watchable. And with Iron Man, you know, I think just everybody fell in love with Robert Downey Jr. and and he did a fantastic job. And I think we can pretty much credit all of of the MCU success in those early years to him. Uh, and then Chris Evans, you know, coming from Fantastic Four and uh, Scott Pilgrim and and kind of all these other jokey roles. Uh, he took that that Captain uh, America role pretty seriously and and did it really well too. And uh, you know, then in that first phase, you have the Avengers. Well, did you see the uh, the premiere, the midnight premiere of the Avengers, or just a regular viewing? I didn't do the midnight viewing, but I did see it on day one. Mm-hmm. It was Friday afternoon, I believe. Epic, um, epic experience. It was very epic. <laughs> I, so good. Yeah, I mean, I I remember watching just in awe of having all of these characters come into one movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at that point, this was unheard of and having it be so well put together. Cause I mean, the X-Men movie, there's a lot of people, but they kind of get lost and it's, yeah. it's really um, herky jerky in that sense with the X-Men movie. So coming into this, it was just so smooth. They did such a great job on that first Avengers movie. Yeah. Well, and you have the proper planning by Marvel too, with, you know, Iron Man, it's, it's a, you know, the toe dip in the water and then the incredible Hulk, um, the after credit scene of that film, you do have them hinting at the Avengers already. Uh, Iron Man two, uh, you have the introduction of, uh, war machine. Uh, you have the introduction of black widow, uh, Black Widow was the second film, right? Not the first. Yes, it was the second one. I believe it was the second. Um, yeah. There was that boxing match that really started that <laughs> off, uh, if yes. you remember. Yeah, with with good old Happy, which yeah. I love that role by John Favreau. It's a very genuine role. This is the man is is multifaceted. Uh, Thor, I always consider kind of boring, but you know, I know Thor's your Thor's your guy. I also consider him to probably be like the most well represented version of his comic form, even though it kind of you know, veered away from it. It took liberties, uh, and rightfully, yeah. so, you know, they did, they did a good job with that character, uh, make a character that's kind of boring, fun and, and for other people to actually enjoy rather than the hardcore, uh, comic book fans. Uh, but the Avengers, I remember, I mean, all these films I saw midnight premiere, ex- uh, Iron Man, I believe I saw midnight premiere, um, or early morning premiere. I'm not sure if they were doing midnight premieres at that time. Uh, the incredible Hulk, uh, I had told you a story in the past in 2008. That was the U.S. Open for golf in in Torrey Pines. Yeah, and I had gotten some free tickets, uh, having worked at a golf course, and they were bougie tickets, you know, Lexus tent tickets. So it was like open bar, open you know omelet bar and salmon bar and prime rib and you know open bar for ice cream and all this crazy stuff. So naturally, I got tanked before like noon. 
and uh, we left the golf tournament <laughs> to go watch uh, the Incredible Hulk, which came out the day before. So I have some fond, beautiful memories of uh, of watching that film. Uh, but really, it was it was the Avengers that kind of like solidified how how epic this whole MCU thing was, and they had done it by that point. You know, it's we had been we had been waiting for DC to give us a Justice League, or at the, at the very least, be willing to uh, dabble with their own lore you know you watch these cw series i was a huge fan of of smallville which we'll talk about next week in the dc uh catch up but you know they were very uh hesitant at giving you exactly what you wanted because they had certain uh, reservations about about you know making it seem too corny or not appealing to an overall mass of viewers rather than just the fans and marvel in this sense kind of proved to everybody that well i guess you know, the executives that if you do focus on what fans actually want, that they're going to come and watch and absorb your product and, and be diehard fans of it for what looks to be decades to come, you know? Heck yeah. So in phase two, I mean, we have a kind of a eclectic group of movies where, I mean, there's some good ones in there, but there's also a couple bad ones. But I mean, for me personally, Guardians of the Galaxy is where it really stood out to me. And then Avengers Age of Ultron, I think those two movies really stand out as the the peak of that phase two. You like Age of Ultron? I do. I it was nice uh, with the introduction of the Maximoff twins and yeah, you can't hate that movie too much because it gave us Wanda. Um, yeah, and, and I mean Wanda has developed into a really good character. I do have some some problems with her the the writing of her later on. Mm-hmm. The acting for Wanda is phenomenal across the board, though. I just have to say that. Yeah. Missing a lot of a lot of a lot of discourse online, which we'll talk about in a bit when we get to the end of this, because it's it's related to multiverse of madness. But uh, just some of the criticisms that are starting to pop up are 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 uh, kind of odd, just because it seems like the the MCU fan base is starting to turn on uh, that film. Uh, I think they realized it might have stemmed from from Elizabeth Olsen's comments on her being kind of shocked that she had been turned into the villain. Uh, which really didn't make any sense to me because the character is kind of known for some of the the more villainous things that she's responsible for in the in the Marvel universe, you know. So naturally, after so long, that she's bound to turn into some type of antagonist. So I was here for it, but uh, you do see some murmurs out there. the the Marvel the Marvel fan base is starting to get a little little weird on that, which uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure as to why. But like I said, we'll talk about that when we get to the multiverse of madness. Um, yeah, you know, as 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 far as Age of Ultron, I think my overall issue with it was James Spader just as the voice of Ultron and how they decided to animate his face. Yeah, I can definitely see that. The, I mean, I've I've seen the comic book faces for a lot of the Ultron stuff because mm-hmm. I was curious and just did a little bit of internet research and I mean it had like that little Iron Man slit and it was just kind of more of a a, a generic face than. Yeah. Like a a so called fleshed out face, and especially once we see Vision, that's also a little bit different. But I mean, like I said, in this phase, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite out of the bunch. I love Groot. I love uh, Star Lord, and just the banter humor that's in that movie. Then, uh, especially with Drax, and like just the dumb humor that there is there, it's really fun for me. Then the the music for that movie is just great. Yeah, that just really stands out to me. Well, I mean, you know, and I, I don't know if you ever, if you took advantage of it. There was a deal last week, I think it was, where you could get um, Xbox Live Ultimate or 
Game Pass Ultimate for a dollar. Uh, and on there was the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Um, and I have to say that it's even better. Those characters are even more likable and, and hilarious in that game than they are in the movies. So I definitely recommend it. Um, with Guardians of the Galaxy, too, I mean, they had a bit of a weird deal with that because they took on James Gunn, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you like the James Gunn films, right? Um, Which ones are you referring to? Well, I mean, you got uh, all of the Guardians of the Galaxy. You got uh, Suicide Squad now. Uh, the newer Suicide Squad. I'm not sure if you saw that. Uh, we'll talk about that. I, I did. I, I I mean, I really like Guardians of the Galaxy movies. The second one, there I felt like ego and everything was kind of weird with that, but I liked it. Yeah, I like his I like his Marvel movies. I should say that. See, and that's the thing with with James Gunn is that it's like, it's like, it's. I mean, it's it's actually probably even worse than this, but it's like Disney hiring hiring Quentin Tarantino and the majority of people not knowing what Quentin Tarantino had done prior, and that was a, a, an eventual backlash that that Disney got with uh, the Guardian series and and James Gunn's involvement because you know he was involved with trauma. I mean, anybody that knows anything about trauma, you know, no further explanation. They're they're shock films. They're smutty. They're 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 gross. They're offensive. They're in, intentionally that way, you know. And you know, to to be involved with films like that, and then you know, be very upfront with with Disney, and then the fan base initially when getting taken on, he had already apologized for it. But I think uh, somewhere after the release of the second film uh, in Phase Three, I think it was. You know, you had him actually, you know, cut from Disney. And that's when he went and did the Suicide Squad film, which I enjoyed. But, you know, fan base is weird. And Guardians of the Galaxy has had kind of a tumultuous uh, history already just because of the involvement of James Gunn. But uh, I don't get it. I like his his direction. I think he, he gets along with the actors well. And from what I hear, the actors would do it with nobody else, which is, is always good to hear, you know. So uh, I enjoyed Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy just because Chris Pratt coming from parks and rec and them being such obscure characters that literally nobody liked uh, to now being household names that everybody loves and people wear Groot t-shirts and have you know uh, group keychains and and you know quote drax on a weekly basis and uh that type of thing it's 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 good to see that's the type of type of stuff you love to see you know yeah uh, what are the films we got in uh, in phase two that we should probably direct our attention to thor dark worlds in there um yeah it's it's kind of yucky yeah it's yeah it's definitely yucky um i mean definitely i think anybody any sensible person would consider that to be bottom ring marvel film it would be in the bottom like five at least you know um i would at also least. i mean you know some people like it just because of the of the the character development of uh loki and and you know if you don't watch that film and you skip it you don't know where you know his mom is spoilers but uh you know, yeah. things are answered in there, and I believe that is the last appearance that we got of Jane Foster before uh, what we have coming up here, I think, next week or whenever that film releases. Uh, Correct. So it's in uh, two weeks. Thunder? Love and Thunder? Yeah. A Taika Waititi film. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's one of those movies where you should probably watch it just so you can keep up, but don't plan on enjoying it because it's gray and boring and ugly. Um, but, you know, another yeah. film that I would consider to be in that bottom ring would be Iron Man 3 as well. A lot of people like it. Uh, my fiance loves it. It's probably one of her favorite, you know, Marvel films. Uh, and even after rewatching, you know, during Christmas break, uh, you know, we had the we had the baby and we were sitting around watching movies and 
we we rattled off all 28 of these films or 27 or however many it was at that time and uh my opinion of the dark world didn't change it was still gray and boring and bland and not a fun watch and it was also the last bit of chris hemsworth's uh kind of stoic character in the mcu before they allowed him to get a little bit wild with with ragnarok so um but yeah my thing with iron man 3 is the injection of the kid character you know even down to the selection and music and and you know i understand where the character has to go when when writing these characters over long periods of time you have to kind of turn somewhat internal when it comes to the struggles but having gone from you know one bad iron man villain to another bad iron man not bad in the sense that they're bad villains i'm just saying that they're bad versions of the protagonist you know or the anti-protagonist is what the antagonist is in these films and you get a little bit of stretch swings with like Justin Hammer and and you know that type of character building with Iron Man two, but Iron Man three, it turned internal and then you got the kid character and kind of the plot was a little bit frustrating for me. So uh, I'm not a big yeah. fan. What'd you think of Iron Man three? I mean, I liked it. I'm I'm definitely more of an average movie goer when it comes to Marvel movies. Like where I I'll try to go to the opening day for most of them. Um, if not, I'll wait till they come out on on Blu-ray or whatever and with Iron Man 3, I really liked it. The The fake Mandarin who has a fake Mandarin, I thought that was fun for me. I loved that character, Trevor. Uh, ben Kingsley did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Ben Kingsley acting playing, and uh, acting. But he played in the past. He played um, Gandhi. Gandhi. Yeah, he played Gandhi in the Gandhi film way back when. I remember watching that in high school. Yeah, I mean, he's played so much that he has... Yeah. extreme acting range oh, super range yeah and then and then you get you know the actual mandarin uh, popping in and it's a completely worse approach to the character it couldn't have gotten any worse uh but they they managed to do it so there was a lot of decisions in that film that i just didn't like personally but uh re-watching yeah. it i can see that there's things that people would like and you know i'm sure i can dig as well but you got winter soldier in phase two as well i mean winter soldier's pretty epic it is it I like some of the other ones in this phase, but to each their own. No, I mean, you know, the Winter Soldier, that, that is literally the first appearance, the, the directorial debut of the Russo brothers in the MCU. And looking at this list is is fairly early, actually. And then uh, they're also responsible for, for Civil War and then Infinity War and Endgame, which are essentially like the greatest films of all time. You know, so giving credit where credit is due with that Captain America film, uh, it was a complete tonal shift. It had uh, definitely a lot more of a um, decent spy uh, spy film vibe to it. So uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And then, you know, you get the introduction of Bucky as, as the Winter Soldier, who has gone on to be uh, an incredibly important character in the MCU and, and being a co-star of his own Disney Plus TV show. So uh, there were moves that were made in Phase 2. And then, you know, you have Ant-Man. Which, you know, I was I was at that Comic-Con in 2006, I believe, when John Favreau and Kevin Fahey came in to the hall. And, you know, we went in there expecting it to just be Marvel, you know, comics or, or cards or, you know, cartoons or something like that. But uh, we happened to accidentally stumble into that that um, auditorium or hall at Comic-Con and, and sit there to actually witness them announcing the MCU in the first film of Iron Man and show the first photo a promotional picture, which I did make a little bit of a, of a blurb on our website over at nerdchatter.com. You can actually go see those pictures. And uh, there actually is a picture of them on stage that year as well. And 
uh, yeah, we knew what was coming. We I mean we, this was a deprived fan base of of comic goers who were who was looking for somebody to finally take us seriously. And and that day, you know, we left that room knowing that that was the case. But uh, the other movie that they announced with with Iron Man was Ant Man, and it took them seven years, six years to get around to it. But yeah, Ant Man was actually supposed to be number two in the lineup before Incredible Hulk, I believe. Do you know why it was delayed? That seems really odd. Uh, no, and I remember going back and doing some research, and I think it was because uh, Edgar Wright was involved with the films, but I I don't know. I think he like stepped away or backed off. Um, however, it was a notable name for the director slated for Ant Man, and um, Edgar Wright's coming to mind. But you know, I don't think he get, the the film that came out doesn't reflect his directorial style. So uh, I need to probably refresh on that. But uh, who directed it and all that stuff? I have a feeling that 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 he wrote. Uh, it's or a part of it or uh, parts of rewrites or, or something like that but uh, not 100 percent versed on edgar wright's relationship with the mcu i do know that uh, ant-man though was slated uh, for release in phase one of of marvel originally and got you know kept getting pushed back and pushed back and we're looking at what the last film in phase two so uh, a little bit of a of a bumpy phase uh, to say the least i guess i mean some people you could split it right down the middle in terms of really bad and really good uh, but i guess yep. that's just up to interpretation what about phase three we got a lot on this one look at this yeah there's a lot on there i mean civil war is i would say like a mini avengers movie the russo mm-hmm. brothers writing that one and we have spider-man being reintroduced into the mcu i mean we have just this awesome collection of characters and one thing i just want to expand upon like with the first avengers movie I was just so impressed by how good all of these characters were starting to interplay together. In every single Avengers movie, we keep on getting more characters built in, and it's keeping that same quality of not divvying away too far or anything oh, like yeah. that. No, that's a miracle. I'm, I'm, yeah, what they've managed to do with that is insane. Like, Ocean's Eleven at the time was like, oh, I don't know about this. And you do got people kind of fighting for, for screen time, you know, in that film. Uh, just because of the acting chops, but yeah, you're right. The uh, the Avengers films, they meticulously amped it up little by little with the characters that you're going to be forced to deal with. You know, I mean, why do you yeah. think they did that? I mean, I don't know. Whatever their plan was, intentions were, they've pulled it off. I think by this point, it's because the the Avengers. You know, I mean, my my exposure to the Avengers was like video games, cartoons, and you know, a small bit of comic book reading when i was a kid most of which took place in comic book shops but you have the avengers which has had a wide array of marvel characters be involved with it and from a business perspective i mean from the get-go it was the ultimate outlet to feed massive numbers of ips that you can profit off of essentially you know and and the real question was was that were they going to be able to take these characters that nobody even knew about and then turn them into these phenomenons that would make the money that they're making now, you know? Um, yeah. You know, and you got guardians of the galaxy too in that, in that phase, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming you like volume two for, for the most part I do. Um, again, the humor music is all on point for me. However, ego and the big planet, uh, with all that, that that's too hokey for me, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah, that's my opinion. I mean, it's not any less hokey in the comics. I think it's actually more hokey in the comics for sure. <laughs> Which they can get away with. And I mean, to be honest, and to give them credit, I mean, compared to, you know, the Justice League 
wrestling Steppenwolf for some cubes, uh, you know, you got some pretty wild out there uh, storylines and plots that that Marvel has has dared, uh, you know, to to experiment with and and has gotten away with it pretty successfully. And things that don't land kind of get brushed aside pretty quickly, you know, which is which is good to see. I mean, with Doctor Strange, he was taken in pretty. I mean, that's another Phase Three film, Doctor Strange. That one came out in 2016. You know, it's essentially a, another Iron Man film uh, with a bit of a twist uh, and a character that's a lot less charismatic. Um, but I do think that, you know, Cumberbatch did a, a pretty decent job. It's just over time, it kind of feels like they're getting a little bit more loose with that character uh, when, you know, not necessarily a, a jokester. He's not he's not a, a pushover. Uh, Doctor Strange is at times one of the more powerful characters in the MCU or in the, in the Marvel universe, not, not the MCU, but uh, the Marvel universe, you know, I mean, you can say that about a number of characters, you know? So, I mean, you got a lot of, a lot of expansion into some trippy, trippy stuff in phase three, which I mean, you know, even, even more so in phase four with Eternals and stuff like that. But uh, guardians of the galaxy got pretty trippy. Some of the visuals, you know, the fight with ego and 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 the graphics that were involved, or the the CGI that was involved, and and the route they took with some of the fighting was a bit weird and hokey. Um, but all in all, yeah. you know, it was a fun movie. But I I think the one thing that we can all be grateful for about Guardians of the, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is the meme and gif that, that has come out of Groot or Baby Groot specifically trying to figure out which button to press <laughs> yeah, to push the button. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and it's GIF, by the way. Uh, I, will, I will continue to say GIF. <laughs> it is GIF. All right. Anyways. GIF. <laughs> also in Phase 3, I mean, you got you got Ragnarok, which is a dramatic 180 in terms of, of directorial style with Taika Waititi making his, yeah. uh, his, his directorial debut in the MCU. I think this is the best Thor movie, uh, for just my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to see them expand beyond this, that serious tone that Thor had and more of that um, Shakespearean tone and, and dialogue of him just expanding, going to that the, the trash planet and dealing with that. I mean, that's all really fun to Doth deal with. mother know you weareth her drapes. Yes, yes. The Shakespearean Thor being gone is a fantastic uh, development in the MCU for sure. That was just something that I never really cared for, even though it fit with the character perfectly, you know, and he pulled it off, mm-hmm. but it was just, eh, it didn't roll well with the other characters unless they were constantly making him the punchline, which, I mean, look at him. You're not going to make that dude the punchline. So they had to let him loose. Except up Iron Man does every time. <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent, he doesn't push it too far, you know what I mean? Because, you know, he's not stupid. Um, <clears throat> You know, with, with Thor Ragnarok, the following year, you got Black Panther, you know, and, and, I don't know. That's a weird one for me. What do you think? I really liked Black Panther. It was really nice to go to Wakanda and see what that was all about and how they are using the, is it vibranium, right? Yeah. Seeing how they use that in their like day-to-day lives and how they're producing, that was really fun. Mm-hmm. However, the CGI at the end where you have Killmonger and like the Black Panther suit with the one color outline and we have mm-hmm. Black Panther in the same suit with the other color outline. That yeah. was really, really bad CGI. Yeah, super bad. And so it kind of brought me out of it for a little bit during that fight scene. But, I mean, other than that, I liked it. It was fun. Or I wouldn't say it was fun. It just brought a whole new tone. And outside of, I don't know, 
New York or Europe that we've seen yeah. pretty generally in the MCU. So it was nice just to get away. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you do have you do have the issue with the the dated CGI in that particular that particular film. I'm not sure why. Um I don't think there was any I mean, probably one of the better villains. I I kind of considered him to be a little more of a frustrating villain to work with and you know, you're kind of led to to be compassionate for the character at the end of the film, but I really wasn't and uh, I think just the overall attitude was an arrogance to it that uh, was kind of aggravating to me to watch. But although he did a fantastic job acting in that role, and then the expansion on Wakanda, and and you know the and the more scenes of the family or the sister, and 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 uh, you know the the varying tribes in Wakanda, and uh, that whole lore was was very fun to see. However, it I mean it kind of seemed like they got the rough end of the stick when it came to the CGI budget and, uh, and the effort put in because that last fight, the ultimate fight of the film was like one of the worst fights I've seen uh, in the MCU. So, I mean, as, as far as I would film, probably, yeah, I'd probably rank that fight scene just because of the, the CGI, the choreography was fine. It was just the CGI was so poor. Yeah. I'd rank it probably in the top or I, I guess the bottom three of all the fight scenes. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting like, you know, Spider-Man, like Sam Raimi, Spider-Man CGI vibes, uncertain scenes, you know, like weird, like weird swinging physics and, and, and just the way the camera is moving along with a moving subject. And it was just shot really, really poorly. Uh, the movie was okay, but uh, I don't consider it to be one of my favorites in like the bottom tier, uh, you know, and then another phase three film we can't forget is homecoming. I mean, you know, you do have, yeah. you do have, yeah, you had the introduction of Spider-Man with Civil War, but you also had Homecoming, which was a fantastic representation of of the uh, the Spider-Man that you know we've always wanted. The more quippy, a little bit annoying, uh, or maybe even obnoxious uh, young Spider-Man that that is going around and just trying to do like whatever he can. And uh, it was good yeah. to see a, a film kind of pull back and be a nice little like high school story, you know? Yeah. Well, and I just want to point out. Tom Holland has done such a good job of being like the overall package of Spider-Man. I feel like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were both really good at one aspect of Spider-Man, either being Peter Parker or being Spider-Man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think Tom Holland does a overall really good job of being both. Yeah. Where he doesn't necessarily excel in either one like the, the other actors did. He just has that whole like sale or that the holistic Spider-Man. Yeah, and I really it. like that. Yeah, my I guess I I have an, an overall issue just with Andrew Garfield's representation of the character as a whole. Even with the Spider-Man, uh, he's he's kind of a dick in in those movies. You know, you watch it and you're just like you get your dose of Tom Holland type Spider-Man, or you or you rewatch the original trilogy, uh, and then you watch Andrew Garfield, and you know he's kind of like toying with people and. He's not very kind, you know, um, he's got, he's going through a lot of like internal stuff and, uh, he's projecting that more than any of the other Spider-Man. And, uh, you know, even in the, the newer Spider-Man film, um, it was, it was kind of a tongue in cheek nod to that character being the, the like overly emotional. I mean, he went through some traumatic stuff, but the emotional Spider-Man, you know, the, mm -hmm. the angsty one and, you know, he had his moments in the new film that kind of showed that and it was fun. You know, it was like MCU even understood that, you know, like they even understood the difference between the character enough to make it 
something in the film, you know, and that, that goes to show you exactly what MCU is working with. I liked it. You know, I, I liked, uh, I liked homecoming. I think, I think Vulture in that film in particular is like one of the best villains in the MCU. And Michael Keaton is a badass. And, uh, the scene in the, in the car is like the most tense scene of the MCU so far, you know? Yeah. Michael Keaton's great. He does a fantastic job of being a villain. And I, I mean, I don't think I've seen him as a villain in a, any other movies? Does he play a villain in any other movies? Um, if you watch the McDonald's biopic, I guess you would consider it. It's a biopic, but he plays. It's called The Owner. Uh, it's in super good movie, and and Ron Swanson, um, um, Offerman is is one of the McDonald's brothers, uh, and they started okay. their McDonald's, and he's the business guy that came in and purchased it, and he's like the scummy business guy that. You know, hey guys, I want to help you like become a bigger, bigger, you know, brand and expand. And then he ended up taking them for everything they had, you know. So he has played like villain roles. Um, he's also played more in depth, uh, in more in depth heady roles, like in Birdman, which uh, I haven't seen all the way through, but was fun. Um, a lot of recommendations on that, which one day I might actually sit down and watch. But uh, Michael Keaton's got range. Like, there's no joke yeah, about he that. Does. Like, he he absolutely belongs in a Batman Beyond film playing old Bruce Wayne before it's too late, you know, like more Michael Keaton. I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, he does a really good job. I, like I said, I, I hadn't seen him in a villain role before, but he nailed it. Yeah. I definitely recommend why. I mean, just as a movie, you know, it's, it's just such a good movie. Um, the owner, I think it's on, it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, in phase three, that's, you know, that's also, that's the big boy, right? That's the, the the one all end all it's that's Infinity War we get Infinity War in 2018. What yeah. was uh, what was your experience with Infinity War? Because I hadn't really been into Marvel that much, or I mean, I was into the MCU, but I hadn't done any of the the dabbling in other media. It was horrifying. I mean, that end snap, and especially with the with Thanos going back in time and ripping that stone out of Vision's <laughs> head, and just seeing him turned gray was so yeah. sad and heart-wrenching that's a morbid scene for sure oh 100 percent. then i mean seeing all of the the characters that we i i came to love just vanish into dust it was so so heart-wrenching very good movie yeah i mean with me i mean i was i mean my my my, my story of iron man we were in the room when they when they announced the mcu so we were hyped from you know negative Two years you know we were ready um so by the end of phase one and the avengers hit it was like you know you're you're 100 in um so when in game or when in infinity war came a lot of people that were were you know knee deep in the mcu and where they were going with it and you know just by will alone the fans just collectively hoping for certain things to happen so that things line up the way they want it to end in this grandiose fight uh, that was it, you know, like MCU was aware of it and they helped it along. And then they gave us infinity war, which, you know, any, any, any neck beard that walked into that, that, the theater, uh, that was aware of, of exactly what this meant. You, you knew what was going to happen and you weren't, you weren't surprised when it, when it did happen. Um, me personally, I was, I directed my attention to everybody in the movie theater. You know, I knew that it was going to happen the way that it was going to happen. And I didn't necessarily need to, to focus on it. I'd see the movie again, but 
You know, it was dead silent in that movie theater. There were people crying. Uh, there were people screaming no and like, oh, my God, you know, like it was there was genuine emotion in that movie theater for a comic book film. And like it was it was such a moment where where I was able to kind of just like take it in and just be appreciative of, of where we came after so many years and the impact that, you know, uh, you know, it's just a bit of ownership. It's just like gamers and streamers and uh, comic book fans and anybody else that was shunned as being a nerd or an outcast as a kid uh, to then grow up in a world where what you love so much makes so much money that the people that you that that used to mock and ridicule you for liking those things are now driving around with stickers on their cars and wearing baby Yoda t-shirts and and you know we'll we'll never miss a, a single episode of their Disney Plus product, you know. Like that's the world. rule the world. <laughs> we do, you know, and like yeah, that's that's how it came about in Infinity War. That was that moment for me where uh, I knew it, I was aware of it. I I I knew it was coming. I anticipated their reaction and I got exactly what I wanted and I left that movie theater super satisfied. So Infinity War to me is like my favorite movie. And I mean, that's coming from somebody that's watched The Dark Knight like at least, I don't know, 60, 70 times, you know? Heck yeah. I mean, Infinity War is really great. I really liked Endgame as well. Uh, just the chaos uh, and everything that has ensued, the transportation between all the things that was going on, the time travel to get the stones. It was just a really fun adventure for me. Everything that comes after Endgame is really interesting because we have so much impact because of Endgame and what happens and the fallout that happens. I mean, also from Infinity War, there's in-universe five-year difference. And, I mean, people have moved on with their lives mm -hmm. and, you know, people that lost a spouse got remarried and all of this stuff that's happened. And, I mean... Very sad. Everybody you know, comes back. It's a it's a sad plot. You know, you you wanna you wanna get soaked up in the emotion that they're trying to give you, but at the same time, I found genuine interest in in that period of time. You know, like every time they harken back to uh, people disappearing or reappearing uh, once it's reversed, I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that little burst of of knowledge or or, or uh, background information or what was going on during that period of time. I would I would love to see, you know, that that the society, what happened immediately when it happened, what happened for the weeks following, how did the government, get, you know, get involved and how did they adapt and what did the other heroes do? What happened to their mental states? You know, like, did some of them lose their minds? Did they become villains? Like, there's so much that you can you can do with just those five years. So I, I, I latch on to any bit of reference to those five years and. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not one to to hope that they go and make a, a a Disney Plus series about it or what have you. Pull a Star Wars and start injecting layers uh, into the storyline. But uh, regardless, the ambiguity of those five years is very interesting to me, and that's my favorite part of those films. Uh, however, I'm not a big fan of of Nerdy Hulk and Fat Thor. You know, the loose end with with Cap and you know what that whole decision has an effect on in the future. I don't know how the butterfly effect didn't take hold in that particular case, uh, especially well, since if, she went on was... to have kids and she went on to, you know, like there's an entire lifetime that she lived after that, that is negated uh, instantaneously at the end of that film. And I don't think so. I mean, especially from what we know now in some of the, the newer movies, 
we especially are in the Disney Plus series Loki. I mean, we would have seen um, the TVA come in and like do some cleanup, or if it, but if it was meant to happen that way, I mean, it happened. And so I've always been curious. When we see um, like Car, I can't remember her first name, but Carter, um, the love interest for Captain. We see her like almost at her deathbed, and she was talking about the life that she's lived. And at that moment, did they know that they were going to do that with Captain? Like, was that really a foreshadowing of him? Is the person that she's talking about? Because it kind of sounds like like she remembers Captain, but is also kind of confused that he looks that way. Yeah, I don't know if they went and added like additional layers of depth to that conversation with that. Um, I mean, I just took it as her having, um, you know, delusions or or dementia setting in that type of thing. And you know, it was the end of her days. I mean, my my thing is that everybody that was in that room with her <laughs> when he left is no longer in existence uh, because she never married the guy that she married, and uh, you know, they but never. But what if the guy kids, she and... married? was captain all along i mean you do see i mean what did she say that she she said that she married somebody right yeah however steve roger wouldn't have been when he came back in time he wouldn't have called himself steve roger like like she wouldn't know everybody oh she would know but everyone else literally everybody else would know literally everybody else would know (laughs) <laughs> they built well, museums in his honor, bro. They have statues. Uh, an, in, a kid that was like nine years old recognized him when he was incognito at the museum and shit. Like, they would know. Regardless, what I'm saying is, is I think that he went back in the time, stayed with Peggy, and that be, that is the what we see at her deathbed is she's talking about that. And he just changed his name and stayed incognito to avoid confusion and having to stay outside of um sight if you will when in theory we can have two captains an old captain and a young captain given this theory at at the same time but yeah i don't know i mean i i I would have to go back and look to see whether or not that she (laughs) explicitly describes him or names him i could have swore that she did but i mean at the same time if they left it vague enough to where you could fit that in there then you know yeah it could make sense um, yeah, it is one of those things where having set up all of that in the film, if you're looking at it as a self-contained film and all this concern about making sure that everything's the way it is uh, before you return, you know, you don't split the, the, the timelines, then everything's fine. You know, I, I mean, if it fits, it fits. And, and if so, that's cool. But for the simple fact that we see captain again, like Moments later, after he disappears in time or going through that time machine, but he's, you know, old, that is a clear indication that that was always meant to happen and butterfly effects didn't happen. And that was that was like the predetermined path. And that's why the TVA didn't, you know, um, do the old, you know, pokey stick thing and send him to get curled or whatever they call it. Yeah, it could be. I have to go back and and look at it. Uh, I didn't. I mean, again, I was thinking about it from a self-contained perspective, and yeah. it was like they wanted a, a sappy ending, so they just made it happen, you know? Um, well, like, if it does like fit said, in, I and, I and it was, that was something that they were thinking about running into that film, and they just took advantage of it, uh, and it's a nice little fit-in what's what's already there, then yeah, that's fine. Yeah. 
So we talked about Avengers Endgame. Uh, I kind of want to skip Captain Marvel. Uh, I personally That's just fine. don't like that film. And they shoehorned that character in there for pretty explicit reasons. Uh, you know, her Endgame, Endgame, yeah. And she served her purpose. I don't. It's an incredibly boring character for me. Uh, very just a lack of char- uh, charisma on behalf of the performance and, you know, kind of the, the shoehorning in there as being the real first Avenger kind of irked me when it happened. Just having gone through that first phase on a, a such elevated level compared to your, your standard viewer at the time, you know, I mean, I was, I was in it as deep as a person would be in it now back then, you know, so to see them willing to, to kind of toss captain aside was a little frustrating, you know, but, it is what it is. We got that film. You know, we got a lot more Sam Jackson, which I'm always a fan of, uh, but I wasn't a fan. So uh, we can go ahead and yeah. shuffle on down to Spider-Man Far From Home. What'd you think about that one? I mean, I, I liked it. Seeing all of the after effects of Endgame. I mean, Peter and all of his friends, or most of his friends, were all taken away in the snap and, and brought back. And then, like, this is their their getaway to Europe as a like get their minds off of everything that's happened and i mean it's fun it's like a a field trip movie but i don't like the how mysterio is portrayed with all the drones and everything i feel that's poking a lot about what's going on with drones in real life which is fine They, they can do that but that didn't that portion didn't hit the mark for me but everything else about the movie i i enjoyed yeah spider-man uh far from home with mysterio and, and jake gyllenhaal i think jake gyllenhaal just did a good job with the character um, oh he did a great job yeah he fit he fit i'm, in the I'm not knocking fight. that the thing with mysterio is that you know even the original backstory of the character is that he's kind of a washed up uh special effects artist for hollywood who utilizes smoke and mirrors to deceive and, and, you know, rob banks and commit crime and that type of thing. So me personally, I saw the drones as kind of like a natural evolution of just like technology and how somebody would be able to pull off something of the scale. Cause like in the comic books and the cartoons, like literally like it's either a complete fabrication of existence that gets played off with just a puff of smoke and some trickery. Uh, and you're just left to believe that that worked. Uh, but in film form, you know, you really can't do that. You have to have some type of flushed out explanation as to how this person is able to deceive so many people from varying angles and, and convince, you know, even the most tenured uh, spies and stuff like like Nick Fury and, and that they're legit, you know? Well, so I saw, I saw was that Nick event. Fury, though? Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of uh, trickery going on with that, you know, and he was up in uh, in sword, the sword base. Uh, I'm not sure where it could be anywhere in space, to be honest. But, uh, you know, you do have sword and shield. You got the sword being the, the space bound version of shield and then shield being the, the earth bound version. Um, you well, know, doesn't, where... um, doesn't shield evolve into sword? it's they're like different branches but it's my thing with my thing with with that is like shields basically no longer in existence it was infiltrated by hydra you got a lot of space stuff coming in and you know it's it was nice to see him see him off earth and and doing something you know more extravagant but we haven't really gotten anything involving that since you know we haven't seen nick fury and where he's been at but uh, as far as spider-man far from home 
uh, some loose ends in that, you know, and, you know, you got Marissa Tomei in there doing, doing her thing as always. And John Favreau, you love to see him. Yeah. Um, not a big fan of Zendaya, to be honest, as, as MJ, um, you know, there's a, there's a, a pretty big fascination with her as just an actress. And to be honest, I've never been drawn in with any of her performances. They kind of all seem pretty droll and, and one note. Sometimes you can get some emotion out of her, but a lot of time it's kind of like the dead eye angsty vibe. Uh, all in all, yeah, like you said, it's it's like a Euro trip type film, and I, I I just dig that high school vibe that that these films have given off, which I don't think we're gonna get anymore with these future Spider-Man films, to be honest. Um, I don't think so either, and I I mean, it's nice to have these high school films like in our back pocket, but like, I mean, isn't the next one supposed to be called like freshman year or something like that? I don't know what the next one's going to be called. Um, I actually haven't, I haven't followed that too much. Yeah. You know, as far as phase three and all those films, uh, I think it was probably one of the better phases of them all, to be honest. I think that's probably my favorite phase. Uh, and that's even including phase one. Uh, now for me, phase four, we're going to wrap it up, but we don't have too much to go over because phase four is not complete. You know, we have WandaVision, which was a Disney plus series and we had Black Widow, which was a horrible movie. Uh, we have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which was decent. Uh, the Eternals, and then uh, we had Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which came out not too long ago. Yeah, we just had uh, Spider-Man No Way Home as well. That was in December. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, No Way Home. I, I loved that movie. You like No Way Home? Oh, yeah. Seeing Alfred Molina back as Doc Ock was, was beautiful. Seeing all those original villains back. William Defoe. I mean, he played that character so perfectly. That was so good. Yeah. I mean, it made it even better, to be honest. That character got better. Uh, I do like the the Marvel location of his uh, costume, you know, where it's like, yeah, we understand it was a little hokey, but we also understand that people like that costume quite a bit. So let's modify it a little yeah. bit. Got rid of the mask, gave him a bit of a, a scarf, you know, to kind of add that purple to it. Uh, and yeah. it made him look cool. You know, gave him the hood and, and it looked pretty solid. So... Uh, I dug that film too with, with Doc Ock coming back and, you know, you got the boys coming back. You know, I just realized, I mean, making reference to it earlier in the Spider-Man review, but I've got, got those movies mixed up. But, you know, at the end of this film, you have, you know, him in the traditional Spider-Man outfit and he's doing his thing and it, and it looks, it looks pretty good. So uh, I was pretty stoked on it. Um, I'm not going to say it was my favorite uh, just because just of what it sacrificed for the character and kind of, I was digging where it was going uh, and they kind of rewrote it. Now, whether or not that was intentional from the beginning or if they realized that once they lost Tony Stark, that it would be best to go back and have Spider-Man become Spider-Man the appropriate way. You know, we talked about this uh, off, off air, but you know, you kind of got an accelerated Peter Parker. He was, he was given a very advanced suit, far more advanced than the majority of suits that he ever had in the comic books, uh, almost right out the gate. Uh, And then it it got just crazier after that. You know, the iron spider suit was, was used pretty flippantly um, even in this film, you know? So it, it, I could see them probably taking a step back and having to go back to, to ground the character a little bit and, and maybe remove the love interest so that the character can have a more adult storyline. So I do like where that one, where that one ended up. Um, but you know, that's becoming a, a divisive film online already when it comes to uh, the direction of it and the decisions of the characters and stuff like that. Kind of weird to see some of these, these fans turn on these properties so quickly. Um, but WandaVision, what do you think about WandaVision? Uh, I felt it was fun. Um, 
it was really interesting to see Marvel portraying, you know, uh, the style of I Love Lucy and um, all those classic black and white TV shows and the the tropes that are in those and having them in that and have it go through the decades. It was really fun. Yeah. I at the end of that, I it was really weird for me with Agatha. I know we we talked about this off podcast, but how Agatha was like supposed to be training her and like that was like the way it was in the comics. We we get that a little bit with mm. her like the rune talking about the runes and everything like that, but it wasn't like that. So it was like we know Wanda was the the villain and it was very dark, especially with all the stuff with vision and like having her kids being brought to life through thoughts and everything that was with that is extremely dark. But having Wanda being the vi- the you know the villain in that, but it always felt like it was Agatha, then it wasn't. And it was just, that yeah. part was confusing for me. But other than that, it was fun. Yeah, I think the, the I mean, the revelation of that whole series is her becoming uh, Scarlet Witch, which, I mean, by this point, you've never heard her be referred to as Scarlet Witch. Because, you know, I mean, I can't be 100% positive as to the comic accuracy of how she receives her powers. However, I do know that she is a mutant. Like, she is a legitimate mutant. That's why her brother is Quicksilver, who is a known mutant. You know, you know Quicksilver's a mutant, but because of the way they introduced uh, Wanda into the MCU, you never had the assumption that she was a mutant, air quote, as in the Fox-owned property up until a few years ago, uh, which is, you know, now you're starting to get a little bit of of reference to Fantastic Four, uh, the X-Men, and the term mutants uh, in general can now be used by Disney. So, you know, you get people that are kind of iffy about about Wanda. They they really came to love her um, as a character, and I think they did that without understanding what the character was, because the character probably should have gone bad sooner. Uh, but what they decided to do is they made her, you know, an antagonist uh, and then become an Avenger, which I mean, she was an Avenger as well, but she's also a bit crazy. Um, you know, I remember the video games when I was younger and she was one of the characters in the arcade cabinet, you know, so I was aware of who she was because of that and some of the comics and no more mutants is an incredibly well-known, um, you know, phrase in comic lore. Uh, and she was the one that, that I'm not sure if she killed the majority of mutants by uttering those words or if she, uh, removed their, uh, abilities, but she was able to inflict an effect on the majority of mutants around the world. So she has immense power, immense, immense power. She is incredibly powerful. Uh, and they've they've kept her low key this entire time. So me, you know, these people are getting a little little anxious about what they're doing with their with their beloved Wanda. But me, it's like hell yeah, dude, we're finally gonna see Scarlet Witch. You know what I mean? Like this chick's supposed to be crazy, like super powerful. You know, like you get a glimpse of that in Endgame. You know, she she starts ripping th- uh, Thanos apart. like she she turns it on for a second and you just get a glimpse of it and i think it was like a yas queen types type scene for a lot of the fans but really like what i saw was like a sliver of like her power you know like thanos within seconds was willing to sacrifice his entire army to not die because of her you know what i mean so we got some big stuff with her in the future i like wandavision because of how creative it was and that's refreshing to me but as a character, I liked it because of what it did with Wanda. A lot of people don't, but 
that's where I'm coming from with that because it's it's a very interesting future for that character for sure. Uh, what about yeah. Black Widow? Did you see Black Widow? I did. I mean, I, I I don't have really any comments to say other than yeah, fake Russian accents everywhere. Yeah, it's the it's the accents that are are bad. Um, you know, Scarlett Johansson. Um, I don't think she started off with it. Maybe a slight bit. Uh, I know uh, Elizabeth Olsen dropped it real quick. You know, I had a hard time watching that. Um. Yep. Much, much like Eternals, Eternals to me was just boring and hard to watch. Uh, I didn't like it at all. Um, <clears throat> I don't think 3%, 2% of people that saw that film knew anything about the Black Knight at the end of that film and why Jon Snow was tempting to touch a, 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 a sword imbued with some type of magic. Uh, nor were they aware that it was most likely Blade that asked him you know, if, if he really wanted to do that after that scene. So... Um, they're leading in with some weird stuff with this with this new phase because they've run through their gauntlet of of popular heroes, you know. So uh, they're they're starting to dig a little deep. Did you like Eternals? No, <laughs> I mean I, I don't. It was I I think I had to watch it twice because the first time I fell asleep in it. So I mean I, there's just nothing to write home about for me with that movie. I like the um, Celestials aspect of it, but the characters I don't care. But the Superman wannabe. I understand the discrepancies of of Marvel having their own uh, Clark Kent flying around, but uh, a lot lamer in the Eternals than Superman for sure. So uh, I wasn't having it. I wasn't having it, but we did watch it. Um, For the interest of time, just in general, what do you think of all the Disney plus content? Um, I'm actually, I'm probably, I'm probably pretty bad at, at, at asking for opinions on like the alternate media because things like Agents of Shield and Agent Carter and a little bit of Daredevil I saw. I didn't watch Jessica Jones. Uh, Luke Cage I watched. It was whatever. Iron Fist I watched. It was horrible. So like going into it that way, I was like, eh, I don't really feel the Marvel series, you know. Um, but once I, uh, saw WandaVision and saw kind of the creative aspect of it and how they were expanding with production value and, and effort and you get some talent up on the screen, you know, it's, uh, it was a different story. So when it came to being open to the Disney plus things, uh, I was a lot more willing Falcon and the winter soldier was a little bit boring, but whatever. I truly hate the new captain America outfit, uh, but that's, it's comic accurate. I hate it there too. Uh, Loki was super good. I, I like the introduction of, of, um, Kang the Conqueror, you know, that's going to be yeah, that a was... massive deal. People, people definitely need to be watching about that for sure. So real quick on Loki, um, Owen Wilson's character, uh, I, th- I think his name is Mobius or Mobius. Mobius. Yeah. Do you think he's a Loki variant? I don't know. I never even considered that one, to be honest. I had that thought a couple of days ago. When I was preparing for yeah. this. And why, we, why would you think that? What led you to think that? He's so fascinated by Lokis. He's hunting Lokis. And he uh, there's a couple key phrases that he says. Um, I mean, he says glorious purpose. And I, I know he's come across other Lokis. But like that's definitely like a, a Loki thing to say. Then um, there's one phrase that he says. is like, Lokis hunt Lokis the best. Or something along those lines. And he doesn't look like a, like a classic Loki. But... None of them. He could have crocodile looking. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that one's crazy. Love it. Oh, it's it's super <laughs> fun. But I think it'd be really funny if 
he is a Loki variant, and well, maybe I know they're they're talking about doing a season two for that show of him being exposed as a Loki and seeing what power he has. I think it would be really fun. I don't know. I think they've they've established enough of that character now to where I think he could stand on his own two feet. Like I think oh, he could totally. build, he could build an entire film around Loki now uh, and have it based around the TVA and um you know murmurs of Kang the Conqueror and have it easily play into the Phase uh, Four, Phase Five. You know, yeah. It's just I. Th- we have to we also have to take into consideration what they're planning with all this because i mean what if was it was it was a palate cleanser and also kind of a warm-up right because you did get captain britain in multiverse multiverse of madness you know captain britain made the appearance there now peggy carter being captain britain is a newer development Uh, that was a what if uh scenario it might have popped up in the comics after the film started popping up but prior to that Captain Britain was just a British variant of um, Steve Rogers. You know, he was a British version of their super soldier. So um, they did a little bit of morphing. I think Peggy Carter, though, is a lot more badass of a character. And then like in Multiverse of Madness, you know, her with the jetpack and stuff. And, and integrating yeah, that, that was, was fun. Was nice. And yeah, it was super fun. So, um, you know, they're starting to dabble with some of this weird stuff. And, and, you know, with that, I mean, you can maybe assume that you'll get some Ultron, you know, popping back into the mix. Yeah. And then, you know, you got some you got some duds. There's some duds in there. Like Hawkeye, I kinda considered a dud. I love the fact that it was Christmas themed though. Like so much. Oh yeah. Well with Hawkeye, I just I feel really bad for the character. I mean, at this point he's one of the original Avengers. He's had been in like twelve years of movies now and content. He's never been the star of a, a movie or a show. He's always been doing the side thing. And even in the show named after him, he's almost always playing second fiddle to the new chick. Well, it was an introduction of her, to be honest, as she's taking I, over that. Oh, totally. Yeah. However, you get where I'm coming from. It's yeah. just like, I feel bad. Like, I thought me going into that was like, oh, he's going to have his true own show. And no, it was the introduction of this chick. And like, I want to feel bad too, but you start thinking about it deeper. You'd be like, I, you can't make a movie about this dude. Like, you wouldn't be able to make a, a fun yeah. movie about that dude, to be honest. You could make an hour long, like, you know, series <laughs> where you could have some zany adventures and have him work alongside a. a another character to feed lines off of and be quippy and be that older Avengers that is kind of like, you know, I'm over it type. And that's what they did. I think they just knew their boundaries with that character and kind of understand that he's a little bit lame, especially since the character himself mentions multiple times that he is obscenely underpowered compared to the people that he, he rubs, you know, elbows with. Um, Yeah. I, I do think that an opportunity was missed with him not being, or, but where Black Widow was in the in that movie, it w- I think there was an opportunity missed that they didn't have it. Like you know, they talk about what happened in Budapest, mm-hmm. like having something that happened after that, where it's before Avengers, before she goes and joins Tony at Stark Industries or anything like that, where it's just them in the good old Shield days. Yeah, I think that would have been a really fun mo- like series or movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could have. But then. They could have co-starred that, and that I feel like that would have been more fun, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, again, they fumbled with, with um, Black Widow already with the release on that, and, like, they backburned that film for years. Like, it wasn't just something that, eh, well, let's wait six months and see what happens, you know? It only released a year ago. It was July 9th of last year. Did it release simultaneously on both platforms, or was it just movie theaters? I th- 
I think it was simultaneous, but I mean, you had to pay like 20 or 30 bucks on Disney Plus to yeah. even watch it at yeah, that first yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. So, something like that. I do remember there was a pay discrepancy with Scarlett Johansson and Disney. I mean, hey, she's she's in that spot where she's been around so long that she should basically get whatever she wants, you know. If you guys are going to keep her, then hey, pay her. Um, yeah, you know, then, you know, we got Miss Marvel, which I'm not going to talk on too much because I only watched it's one episode. It's still coming out. Yeah. I think we're on, they have episode four or five out or five comes out this week or something like that. But I know the changes they made. They didn't want, I mean, they didn't admit to it, but you know, her original abilities were akin to Mr. Fantastic. She had stretchy abilities. Uh, I'm not sure if you played, uh, Marvel's Avengers, the game. Um, but that was, I played the demo for it. If if she was in that uh, the demo, I think was just the bridge scene. But um, yes, majority of the game is you playing as her, which is lame. Uh, and her, she is like a hundred percent Reed Richards, stretchy, you know, stretch Armstrong. Uh, in the show, she has more of a uh, Green Lantern esque type ability that allows her to basically do the same thing, but a little bit extra. Now, whether or not they changed that because they didn't want it to kind of confuse people or start leading people down a train of thought as to maybe their powers are connected. Uh, they did some changes with her in anticipation of Reed Richards entering, uh, entering the arena. So that hasn't been finalized, but that's, that's what I got from it. But my, my opinion of the show is that it's kind of like, um, I mean, do we really want to make any final comments before it's all the way done? Yeah. I mean, I should say that my, my initial comment on the first episode was that I think she is, really good as an actress i think that she knows more than pretty much any of the other actors and actresses in mcu combined about marvel lore uh, and she is more of a diehard fan for the character that she plays than tom holland was for spider-man so i mean in regards to her as a character and like her as an actress and and participant in the mcu she's like top tier like you got to watch out because this chick knows like everything, you know what I mean? So, and she will defend yeah. that character because she knows more about that character than you did before you even knew that that character existed, you know? So uh, I like that trend of picking up people like that. I, I, that's the Dave Filoni aspect of, of putting them in the right spot, you know? So it's, it's, it's nice to see. However, you know, the, the show is a little bit of a like beat over your head type of, of mentality out the gate. And, um, the storyline was kind of like, all right, well, I'll get to it, but uh, I need to go and, and continue watching it. And like you, like you stated earlier, just don't want to make a, an assumption early because I know that once she starts getting into it, it's probably going to be super badass, and she's going to play a huge role in uh, in the Young Avengers and and where the MCU goes from here. So you know, that's kind of my opinion. Yeah, um, I mean, let's round this off by talking about Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. What do you think? Um, pretty good. Well, I guess quickly, what do you think of Moon Knight? Oh, I, I really like Moon Knight. Yeah, I like Moon Oscar <laughs> Isaac is, I think, one of my favorite actors right now. He's a Star Wars boy, you know, you got it. Oh, oh yeah. But I think he does a really good job having the multi-personalities and having, like, that third personality be, like, hinted at in a couple of those last episodes. Then that very last end credit scene of oh, Jake coming out to the play. Fourth, it was, yeah, the fourth uh, personality. So the fourth. No, it's it, in the show, isn't it? The third? No, you have, you have um, was it Mr. Knight? Then you have Moon Knight, and then you have um, Steven, and then you have Jake Lockley. And then you got Mark Spector with his alternate personality being Moon Knight. But no, the way that it's presented in, in the comic books is kind of like a 
like Split, like you've seen like the movie Split, where each character is their own like headspace. They're their own characters. And like, yes, you do have Mr. Knight is reflective of Steven's personality in that sense, but each one is treated as like separate characters. Um, but I, I <laughs> so get this is this is me, non other media Marvel stuff guy. It's just what is presented through the movies and Disney Plus now. It definitely felt like three personalities with um, Steven and Mr. Knight and um, Mark and Moon Knight, or I, I can't remember what you called that particular one. With those guys sharing the different aspects of the the, the suited up character versus the non-suit, where it's the same personality, it's the same headspace. At least that's how I feel it's presented. Yeah. Then you have that third where it's, you know some stuff's going to happen later on when we see later iterations of yeah. Moon Knight in future content. I, I'm he looking has, forward to it. From what I understand, he has no alternate form of Moon Knight. Jake Lockley is, is just one of the other alternate personalities. So he doesn't have like a like an opposite in terms of like his super version, you know. So Interesting. Um, I think that's that's probably also where something they didn't portrayed i mean it kind of you get a little bit of it because oh, there's no there's they, no they don't there's no hint that that there's a like a bad moon knight you know that's just there's some character that keeps popping in and, and murdering people uh the accent yeah. they gave him at the end i think he's speaking spanish i don't know whatever but i like the show uh a, a big thing that that taking place in that that series was the fact that you're being introduced to the gods um yeah you know you're you're gonna have um love and thunder right yeah that well, we know yeah, Thor, love and thunder yeah thor love and thunder and you have russell crowe playing zeus and you have more introduction of of, of god characters in there including gore the bod uh, the god butcher so gore the god butcher in that film um you know is going to be played by christian bale they didn't make him look exactly the way he is however uh, he's imbued with a sword that has um, super, super crazy powers to it. And it imbues the person that wields the sword superhuman strength and abilities. Uh, and the sword has the ability to murder gods. Uh, the thing is, is that the sword itself requires the essence of gods to keep its host alive. So he has to kill gods to survive. Uh, so it's a very interesting story that's going to take place in that. I, I saw some of the acting from Christian Bale, and he's super hammy. I'm loving it. Um, it's a Taika Waititi film, so you know he's going to just ride that. Um, but that was what I got from Moon Knight, you know, is that you get a lot of God talk. Uh, I love the the Egyptian setting. Um, but like you said, Oscar Isaac is is like a straight G, and I just love him yeah. you know, pretty much in everything right now. Um, but you did mention Multiverse of Madness, and that is the last film we should cover to wrap it up. Uh, but what did you think? Um, I mean, I texted you after I watched it earlier this week for the first time saying this movie is whack. So <laughs> I, I liked it. It was just so different. I knew it was going to be a horror or more horror-esque and it, 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 it delivered on that very well. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's not my normal wheelhouse as far as like when I sit down on a Friday night to watch a movie with my wife, we're not watching horror movies. So <laughs> That that was uh, interesting when we sat down and watched that, but I liked it. I it was that. fun. It was dark, crazy. That's the thing. I, I didn't get. I didn't get a horror vibe from it. You got a horror vibe from it in a couple aspects. I mean, oh, we yeah. have there's a couple. Stuff. Wanda just obliterating everything, and like you know. <laughs> 
turning people into spaghetti <laughs> and the dude's brain like blowing up and it's just like oh my gosh this is happening in the mcu right now you're oh, like covering gosh. your wife's eyes and like eyes and ears you're like no don't watch don't watch yeah it was the thing is, is like you know i'm here for sam raimi i knew what was coming and i was like oh, i'm here for it dude get wild uh, and Sam Raimi yeah. knows how to get wild, you know. He he, everything that people have an issue with with that film to me is like exactly what I expected to be in that film. You know, it's like you get scenes of of Wanda's face being all weird and and you know very Evil Dead two ish. I know I discussed this or, with you earlier and and asked if you had seen any of the Evil Dead films, and you said no. Um, to anybody that doesn't know, Evil Dead is is a series of films that were in the eighties. Um, directed by a very young uh, and ambitious Sam Raimi, uh, along with Ted Raimi, who plays... He plays a number of characters. Uh, I think he also plays the cop in The Quarry, a new game that came out. He plays the cop, um, the creepy one, uh, I believe. Um, he also played, like, the assistant to J. Jonah Jameson in the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. So the obnoxious guy that with the glasses that kept coming in and you know, saying stupid stuff. That was, that was Sam Raimi's brother. Uh, and Ted Raimi is responsible for a lot of like the ghouls and monsters and stuff. He was the one in the prosthetic pr prosthetics and getting tugged around by his crotch on wires and strings and flung around and <laughs> doused in, That's a big in no, disgusting thank you. things, you know, like he, he had, you know, I mean, he was a brace. It's not like they just tied it onto it, but you know, he is a brace and very uncomfortable, but uh, they were they were just they were in it, you know, and Sam Raimi's thing is is shot development. He loves to invent shots. And I remember watching documentaries yeah, decades ago by this point, but his process, you know, he had rigs set up to where and you see them. Um, I'm not sure exactly where he, they think it's actually in the movie. There's a scene where he's having like his head smashed into um, or somebody's heads being smashed into uh, like medicine cabinets and you kind of get the camera moving from one cabinet to the other kind of looking through it and the face is getting smashed into the camera and then it moves and then another smash and then it moves uh those shots those the way that he gets inventive with the camera angles is what makes sam raimi film sam raimi you know if i'm not mistaken he invented the technology that the swing cam from from uh Spider-Man, the original trilogy, the swing cam that they used to swing down the streets of, of, of like Brooklyn and New York and stuff. Um, that is now adapted and used in like the NFL and NBA and stuff like that. So it's like the advancements that he makes in just the way you shoot film is monumental. So as, as a fan of, of, of Sam Raimi, I was just like here for it. You know, he had a lot of interesting shots, a lot of, a lot of color. Uh, you know, get a little wild with it. Like you said, get a little dark and, and horror-esque. I liked it. I liked it a lot. But uh, there are, you know, some shortcomings of it and a little bit of goofiness. And, you know, I know a lot of people have some issues with Wanda becoming a villain. What do you think about that? I, I, I think she's a great villain. However, I think the the her motivation is a, just a little off. She's just so hyper-focused on getting her kids back. And, and WandaVision is getting Vision back. And it's just like... So many other people could let the past just be the past, and yeah. she's just so hyper focused on it. So it, I, she's always been a little on, you know, on the crazy side in the MCU. It follows. It's just that didn't hit a chord with me. But well, I saw something on the internet too that was like it was like a meme. It was just joking about it, and it's like the conversation between um, Doctor Strange and Wanda, where he's like, 
He's like, okay, so instead of killing America Chavez, how about I just find a universe where uh, that Wanda died and the kids don't have a mother and you can just go there and live with them. And it's like, oh, fantastic. What a great solution. Thank you. And that was the end of the movie. <laughs> so it's like, you know, there's there's some ways around it. She definitely like went off the, the deep end and, uh, you know, she's utilizing the, the manipulation of her environments and stuff with the, uh, uh, it's the reality stone. I think it is that's in her head. I'm not 100% sure. I, I forget. It's been a decade. Uh, yeah, She's also yeah. using... The magic of the dark cold, which is well, true, but like it's, I think it, in itself, what film is it? Is it one of the films has a flashback? Oh, it's one division. I have a flashback where she's in that that cell that she's in at the end of Age of Ultron. I think it is. Um, yeah, and they bring in. They're experimenting with the 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 stone. I believe they're experimenting with something, and she's given that power. Which to me, I mean, you know, it's easy write-in for mutation right like just say that yeah it mutated her genes and that she's now the first mutants and it caused a ripple effect or something you know like they they might they might still go with it but um you know like i had mentioned before uh in you know in our just basic discussions is that wanda or scarlet witch is known for doing some pretty mischievous things some pretty evil things in the in the marvel universe uh you know mm -hmm. the 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 um, at one point, uh, what was it? I think it was the House of M. I think it was the House of M. And don't quote me on this because I didn't read it. I actually really, really want to read it. Um, it's a series. I believe the House of M is where she was able to distort reality for the entire world. I might, I'm pretty sure I might be wrong, but she's, she was able to distort reality for every individual person on the planet to give them everything they wanted. And then the story was like based around like something like that. Um, might That's not be, nuts. might not be 100% accurate, but I believe the story is something akin to that. And and at the very least, it's one of the more predominant storylines in, in Marvel history, just in terms of popularity and, and just being badass, much like the Phoenix Saga, which has been squandered multiple times. Um, it's one of those. So we might get House of M at some point, which would be super sick. Uh, but you would need uh, Magneto, you would need uh, the X-Men, you would need, uh, like, you know, probably the old Avengers, but they'll deal with, like, young Avengers and stuff like that. But uh, there's wiggle room with her character, because so much crazy stuff has happened with her characters in the comic books that they could really make some interesting stuff. Um, but as far as uh, the Multiverse of Madness and all the intricacies and, and, and stuff like that, I did think some of them were corny. I think the third eye was corny, although that is um, in the comic books. That is comic accurate. That is not something that he just threw in there. Um, however, I believe it is tied to him utilizing chaos energy. Uh, the term. Well, uh, it's the dark hold. Uh, the dark hold. He's tapped into it, and that's what gives him that third eye. Um, I believe that's like the backstory of that. It's not necessarily like a good or bad thing. It's just an expansion on his mind because he he dipped he dipped a little bit too deep, you know. And I think personally, one of the, the more overlooked things in that film, people like to talk about the spaghettification of, of Mr. Fantastic, you know, and, and Black Bolt's head being imploded because he uttered help or something like that. It's like the only word he ever said, uh, you know, that that wasn't intended to inflict damage and it ended up killing him, uh, which is insane. It was definitely an insane. It was like, oh, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. You know? Uh, super graphic, but so in Sam Raimi's wheelhouse, you know, it's like, I'm surprised we didn't get any of that in Spider-Man, you know, like that's, 
that's got Sam Raimi written all over it. Um, and turning, um, you know, chopping uh, Peggy Carter in half was this like epic scene, just the way that it was shot. Like, just think of that shot in your head, dude. Commented on, uh, uh, well, I didn't comment. We talked about it earlier. But one of the things I hated about uh, Thor was the Dutch angles. Every camera shot in that movie was tilted and it's annoying, you know, to go from a cheap Dutch angle attempt at, at mustering up emotion to having just a sick camera angle of an up close shot of the bloody shield in the wall. And then in the background, out of focus, you see Peggy's body split and just fall to the ground in pieces like, oh, dude, like it's just those are those are the shots that make Sam Raimi shit like so good. But I think the, the one thing that's overlooked in that scene is that somewhere out there, it might not be our, you know, 616 universe or our 11999 universe or whatever it is in the movies. Uh, it might not have been R. Reed Richards, but somewhere out there, Franklin Richards' dad was murdered by Wanda. And the Wanda that was responsible for it is the Wanda that is in our movie universe, and that should have some type of repercussions at some point. Because those who don't know, Reed Richards is literally the most powerful mutant ever in existence, period. There is no other mutant that's more powerful. You mean Franklin? Or I'm sorry, Franklin Richards. There is no more mutant powerful than him. There are certain mutants that have reached beyond Omega level and stuff like that. But as a character in his in his true form, he is the most powerful mutant. And at one point, you know, and, and we didn't touch on it in this discussion, but the introduction of the Celestials is is also kind of a hint that we might be getting Galactus in the future. Galactus is not... A, a celestial Galactus is a human that was left over from the Big Bang. He was a character that was attempting to stop um, the collapse of the universe, which led to the next Big Bang and the recreation of the new universe, the one that we live in. Uh, he managed to survive the Big Bang, and then when being birthed into the new universe, became Galactus, the destroyer of worlds. So he had to consume Earths, or Earths, he had to consume planets uh, to sustain his own life. Uh, and then he has Silver Surfer, who is his herald, who he sends out to find planets that he will be able to feed off of, uh, which you get in Rise of the Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four 2, uh, back in the day with Chris Evans and Jessica Alba and all that good stuff. I like those movies. Um, but at one point in the comic books, Franklin Richards is able to make Galactus his herald. So we're talking about insane 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 powers uh and if if they go through with that storyline somewhere out there like right now as we have this discussion in this mcu timeline there is a pissed off franklin richards who just had his dad murdered by by wanda from the mcu um and and to me when i saw that it was like chills i was like oh he even mentioned he had kids like you guys are screwed you know so uh, no telling on where it's going to go, but I, I actually enjoyed that movie quite a bit. Anything you want to say about Doctor Strange? Anything that uh, that you actually liked <laughs> about the film? I mean, I, I liked it. It was just so different compared to everything that we've gotten to date. That I It was kind of a jarring for me at first mm -hmm. until I got into the groove of the movie. Um, what would you think about um, Patrick Stewart and his little cameo? Oh, I love Patrick Stewart. I love him in Star Trek and... 
next like specifically next gen is such a thespian my favorite star trek he's just such a classic thespian he's just such a he's he's like such an actor you know he's in such corny roles but he's such a respectable actor yes but seeing him again like in a movie as professor x it was nice to see i i I really liked that i I was very sad that uh (laughs) he was killed off so quickly yeah, definitely a horror shot on that one, too. Uh, I thought they handled it fun, but, you know, and to wrap this up, because this is the last film, but I'd say that the one thing that I do appreciate from that is literally every film that has ever come out since, like, the third film in all of MCU, I said, I swear, one day I will hear that 90s X-Men tune in the MCU dramatic manner. Like, one day I will. And when that happens... I'm going to shit myself. And like, it wasn't, Did you? I didn't shit myself because it wasn't the full song, but they had the diddly and I puckered a little bit. I was ready, but I didn't, I didn't get it fully. However, we're knocking on the door uh, and that's a good world to live in when we're knocking on the door of getting X-Men and Fantastic Four in the MCU. And that's what I got from, from Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. And that's why I appreciate it personally. Awesome. So we'll go ahead and end it there. I want to say thank you to uh, Garrett for stopping by. I appreciate it, my friend. It's my pleasure as always. And uh, we'll go ahead and just wrap it up with a little bit of social plug here. Uh, You got Nerd Chatter Show uh, at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, You can also check us out on YouTube as well as nerdchatter.com where you'll see some of the most recent episodes of the Nerd Chatter podcast. Uh, We also have Extra Nerd Chatter, which is a side segment that we have of smaller discussions that we, we do during the week of Things like, uh, you know, episodes of TV shows, video game announcements, and things like that. Uh, That stuff you can catch uh, on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, People who are interested in joining our Patreon, you'll have access to some advanced showings of uh, the Nerd Chatter podcast, as well as some of those extra Nerd Chatter, uh, and even some segments that we produce specifically for the Patreon supporters over there. So, So definitely check that out if you're interested in supporting the podcast. But yeah, that's pretty much it for today with this MCU catch-up. We tried to gun through it as fast as possible. I apologize if it ran a little bit too long still, but uh, I think we did better than our first first version, which uh, we may still edit and throw up for our Patreon supporters as uh, an outtake, a two-hour outtake. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, uh, we (laughs) are out of here. We'll be back next week, most likely with the DC discussion uh, and possibly another extra nerd chatter, but most likely just next week's podcast. So... So we're going to go ahead and end it here again. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one.